It's April 12th, 2019, and this is episode four of It Started in Hendricksville, Stories by Jerry Abram. All right, Dad, how are you doing today? Good, fine. Great. Well, Dad, last week, uh, well, I guess first of all, Another nice day. We had a nice day last week, and we do again today. Um, and last week we talked a lot about um, the uh, a little bit about rendering lard and and your dad doing some butchering and stuff. And we ran out of time there at the end, um, so wanted to kind of go back to that and and, um, and cover a couple more topics there. So one thing was. Uh, your dad smoked meat. Is that right? Was it, was that something he did, or something a lot of people did, or? Well, it was uh, one of the only ways to preserve your uh, pork. Okay. Uh, Do you think it was done, kind of, partly because they liked the flavor and stuff, or was it really done primarily just because it made it easy to keep? Yeah. Well, of course, it did. Uh, the smoke flavor did help the value of the meat as uh-huh. far as uh, food, but uh, I think a lot of the big things on it was the fact that if you could keep the meat, it wouldn't spoil. So. And you didn't have to refrigerate it after you no, smoked no. it. No, you hung them. You put these hams and shoulders out of uh, pork. Mm-hmm. Put those in a cloth bag. The women would sew these cloth bags. And you would put them in there and tie them up, put a wire around the top of them, and hang them in the in one of your buildings where nothing could get to them, and leave them there. You know, just leave them there all winter and and all summer if they needed to. After you had them already smoked. Yeah, after yeah. they were smoked. Yeah. But you'd hang them up like that, and then nothing could get to them, and yeah, that nothing kind of could stuff. get to them, and they wouldn't spoil. Interesting. So, yeah, huh. so, and with the bag around them, nothing bothered them. Um, so so let's talk about the actual smoking process. Did you did you guys have like special any tools or special building or anything that uh, uh, enabled you to do this? We had uh, what we called a smokehouse and it was probably best I can remember the smokehouse we had there where I grew up was um, maybe 10 by 10, okay. not very big. Was it built for that you think or yes. do you, uh, it was it okay. Was what they call the smokehouse. And uh, Dad would build the fire in a uh, iron kettle type thing on the floor. Okay. In this, and then he would put wood chips in this and keep them covered so they wouldn't flame and start burning, but just keep smoking. And then just fill that building full of smoke, and then. So was there a flame under the kettle, warming the kettle, and or how did you keep them from catching on fire? Well, you just had to keep them covered up enough they wouldn't. They okay. would. They'd flame up once in a while, and you'd have to put more stuff on top. Okay. Of them. Okay. And even at uh, sometimes to keep them from getting too uh, carried away, you would put uh, ground up corn cobs. To, oh, really? To smother it down, you know, and make it smoke again. But oh, the smoke in there was so so thick and so much of it. If you had to go in there and work on that fire. When you come out, the tears are running down your oh, yeah. face. But, so, so I don't know anything about smoking. So, do you have to also elevate the temperature in there a little bit to make it work right? The fire of the smoke would do that. Yeah, it would. Uh, it would get. Uh, you know, the meat would get sometimes warm enough that some grease would drip out of it. 
but uh, okay, so yeah, it's actually pretty warm yeah, in there then. Pretty warm, and uh, but the, you didn't, but but the the meat was pre cooked or not pre cooked. No, it was not. So so it is just raw meat hanging in yeah, there to start with. That's the way it was, and uh, of course then when you finally. They'd say, oh, we got company coming, you know, here uh, Sunday. We're going to have company dinner, so we're going to go cut one of the hams. And you go get the, a new one out of there and take the bag, you know, take it out of the bag and just slice it and fry it or bake it or whatever you wanted to do with it. And uh, it Okay. Would, uh, well, okay, so let's, let's go back. So you get a fire going, and then you take, do you put it in the bag before you smoke it? Is it in the bag? No, no, it's just a raw piece of meat no, when you're smoking it. It's a raw piece of meat. And so how... Hung on, they hung on a, a rod up above where the smoke pot was. Uh-huh. They hung up there on that, on a wire. You'd put a wire through one of the leaders and... Okay. And then hang them on that and just let them hang there until they, you know, they got warm enough that they would drip a little bit of, uh, a little bit of grease out of them and... So are we talking like a day to do this, or days, or? Well, if I remember right, it was like uh, about a two or three day okay. process. Yeah. So you just, 24 hours a day, as much yeah. as you could, you kept that in there, you kept the temperature elevated. Yeah. So did you tend to do that in the summertime when it was a little bit warmer? No, no, you had to do all this in the winter. Really? Yeah, because oh, that's the only time you could butcher. Ah, you didn't have any way to keep your meat you, cool. Oh, okay, so, so you didn't butcher in the summer at all because no, it was, it was no, it, no. you'd have a problem. It always uh, So butcher in the winter when it's cold, that way the meat stays good until you can do whatever it is yeah, you're going to do with it. I have everything done with it before the warm weather. And yet. you guys couldn't freeze meat. Oh, no. There was nothing you could do with that. You couldn't refrigerate it. You Well, not for very long because you just had an ice box. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And so... Smoke it for two or three days. Now, would it smoke really get all the way through? I mean, it would have the smoke yeah, the pretty smoke much. Yeah, the flavor would pretty well go all the way through it. Now, there was also another thing. Uh, some company made what they called a sugar cure. Okay. And uh, this came, it just looked like sugar, but it was sort of a brown color and had uh, a lot of spices and stuff in it. And uh, Dad would take that sometimes if uh, he didn't have time to smoke the meat. He would take that and you would lay those on a, we always laid them on a big board. And then he'd pour this sugar cure on them and just take his hands and start rubbing it in. And he'd just rub it and rub it and he'd work it in as deep as he could get it. And then the flavor would go on through and it pretty much tasted the same as the smoke flavor because it was smoked sugar that you used. And hmm. so there was two ways of doing it, but uh, the main way that I always liked the best, and I think most people did, was to hang the meat and smoke it, you know, rather than sugar cure. So what about, like, what we call, when I think of smoking, I think of two things, ham and bacon. Those are the things I think of that most people today would be aware of that are smoked. Would you guys, I mean, I think what you're talking about would normally be thought of as a ham, that yeah. you were smoking. Did you, did you do something that you would have cut into that would have been similar to bacon? Well, the bacon, uh, what they done with that, see, they'd slice out what was going to be bacon and smoke it, too. You smoke that. Smoke it. You would pre-slice it? No, and, no, just a big slab. Just a big slab of it, okay. And then when you had bacon for breakfast, you would, uh, uh, they even left the skin on the outside of it. Oh. And you would just slice that with a sharp knife, slice it into thin slices for your bacon. And... Uh, 
Now, what's the difference between bacon and ham other than is, is bacon a more fatty cut? A lot of fat. It's uh, off of the side of the hog uh, on the outside of the okay. ribs is where it's at. And uh, it's, uh, well, there's another name for it, and I can't think what it was. But anyway, it's, uh, it made good bacon, but, of course, you couldn't slice it thin like they do now. We didn't have any way of doing that. But all in all, the bacon was smoked along with the hams. And then the front quarters of the hog, which is called the shoulders, they sacked them and looked just like a ham, only wasn't as big. Okay. So you sliced them the same way as ham. You couldn't tell any difference in the taste of it, you know. But uh, they had, had hams and shoulders, and of course your hams had the bigger part of the best meat. So one thing I was thinking about the other day with all this did you guys eat meat? Was meat your main source of food or were vegetables more your main source of food that you had canned and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Well, we always raised a big garden and uh, had a lot of canned stuff. And uh, I know that uh, the women, three or four of the women in the homes around us there would all get together and they'd get several bushel of peaches and then all get together and peel those peaches and work them up and can them and then they divide them back up, you know, among the families. And then they can green beans and mom canned, <laughs> canned quite a bit of sausage after it was made into sausage. Really? Yeah. So it's, she would cook that? Well, what they done, uh, <laughs> they didn't have cholesterol then. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> mom would fry those sausage patties, and of course they were just floating in lard. And then she would take those out of there and stack them in a quart jar. That she'd make them small enough they'd lay flat on top of each other. And then when she got them all in there up to the top, she'd take the grease that they was cooked in, the lard, and fill that can all the way up to the lid and put a lid on it and tighten it. And that lard would get cold, well, so there, you know, it just looked like a, a jar full of something white, uh -huh. which was the pure white lard. And then when it come time to use that, she'd have to set that into hot water on the stove, on yep. the old wood stove, and get it warm, and then pour it out. And when she'd pour it out of there and get the lard off of it, I mean, it would melt and run off, you know. Fry that sausage again, and it just fresh as could be. And it now the sausage would not have been smoked; it would have been ground, no, and no, it, it was, was just, just it was just raw. Well, she she done, she cooked it, so yeah. it was cooked. But with the sausage, what they done with that was uh, all the meat between the ribs. They would clean the ribs and cut all the meat out of there. A lot of scrap meat where they was trimming the hams and mm -hmm. trimming the shoulders and. Dad always made them look like a, I mean, they just really looked good. Did he have uh, his own um, sausage, uh, um, what do you call it, wrapper or whatever you call it, where you, you put it into no, a tube? No, we never had that. We would just put it in bags. Oh, okay. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, when he would grind that sausage, then he went ahead and mixed all the stuff in with it. You know, the sage and... I don't know what all he used in it, but it was a, it was his own concoction, though. He, yeah, he you really, guys, really you would stuff. buy these spices from someplace, mm -hmm. a grocery store, I assume. And then, like I say, the uh -huh. way we preserved it was to can it. Well, sir. Yeah, and then occasionally, 
A few times I remember that uh, Dad went ahead and cut the ribs up and we canned some ribs. <laughs> yeah. Well, you had to do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the only way it's going to last. Yeah. So you got to do something. Mm -hmm. So now, so when you would can it, you it would be like canned meat, I guess, for buying at the store today. I mean, you could buy canned meat. It's not refrigerated or anything. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's it's not that much different than Similar, what yeah, happens sure. today. And, and you would keep it all summer yeah, through the yeah. hot and well, no problem. Sealed, and it won't nothing get to it. That's it so interesting. Huh. So we talked about... Uh, grinding up the sausage and uh, so tell me about uh, granddad's uh, meat grinder and how he how he powered it mm -hmm. so okay these meat grinders a lot of people have them we've got several of them here Marie always liked them and would buy them at old auction sales and stuff that's got the big long handle on them that you could grind meat or you could grind uh, vegetables or whatever you want to grind in them well dad always had a, a just a pretty good size one, but not great big, that you would crank to, and put your meat in there and it'd come out ground, just like sausage. So... And w one time through, or would sometimes they recycle it again and... Sometimes they'd recycle it, but most of the time just one time through. I say recycle it, redo it, so whatever, the yeah. The big thing with that was just you wear everybody out trying to crown that crank because okay. it'd get pretty hard to crank. Okay, because it's a pretty big grinder. So, so Dad didn't do a thing. We had an old 39 Chevrolet. Dad took that old car. And when you say 39 Chevrolet, this yeah, this is a car, a sedan, what, four-door sedan? Yeah, it was four-door. Okay, uh-huh. Yeah. that car and uh, back it up on a board that had this grinder bolted to it. Okay. Okay, then... He would put a jack on the board on the inside of the wheel and jack that wheel up off of the off of the board. Yep. Okay. Now the weight of the car held the board. Mm -hmm. So it was good and tight and nothing would move. Then he took this handle on this and would take a piece of rope maybe a foot long tight through the spokes or whatever on the <laughs> wheel and around the tire yeah. and then tie it to that handle and tape it and fix it so it couldn't come off. Well, the rope would give you slack so it would never bind up or, you know, break something. And he'd just put that old car in low gear and he'd let the clutch out. That wheel start running that grinder and he'd just sit there and start feeding the sausage through and well, sir. have a big pan under it and keep raking it out in that pan until he ground up however many hogs oh, that's we, great. whatever we had. And uh, it was, uh, I guess you'd call that a gas powered grinder. <laughs> <wasn't it? laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. But, uh, but anyway. Uh, and, and did you guys have your own hogs you were raising? Oh, yes. Yeah, I thought, I thought that's what yeah. you were saying when we talked about that, okay. Oh, yeah, we always did. Well, about everybody did. Yeah. All all around us. And I think it's interesting that that you had. It seems like people had hogs instead of cows. I think that's just yeah. kind of interesting. So uh, that was uh, one of the bigger things, uh, I guess. Probably cows take so much pasture. Yeah. And you pretty much put hogs just in a small pen and then carry feed to them and fatten them up, and they're a little less trouble than the cattle. Huh. That's interesting. So. And and did you guys buy feed then for the hogs, or did you get your own? Did you grow your own feed, or uh, we would take uh, corn and oats to uh, a mill up there it was uh, 
can't remember the guy, Harley Mitchell. And you'd take it in their hole and he'd run it through his grinder and put it back in feed sacks. Okay. Then you would take out of those sacks and pour it in a bucket, put water on it and mix it up. And then, the, you know, I don't really ever heard the they slop the hogs. Yeah. That's what, done. Well, that's what that was. That, that was their food. Yeah. When you're saying you're, 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 you're mixing their food, making a water yeah. food, water. Oh, while you're mixing Grain that, mixture. Right there at you, you know. Oh, you yeah. You just had to be careful. You had to stay outside the oh. fence. Oh, that's interesting. And then in this big long trough. And as soon as it started filling out into there, they'd line up. Well, sir. Okay, so we're going to switch gears here and, um, Talk about um, the problems you have with rats, and okay. and how you guys dealt with that. So, okay, uh, all your farmers, about everybody, raised corn and usually wheat and uh, had and beans and whatever soybeans and all, and uh, wasn't really any way to control the rat population at that time. And all of these buildings, like your corn cribs, and about everybody that had. A building to keep grain in. Okay. Had a floor in it, but then there'd always be a uh, area between that floor and the ground, you know, to keep it up off of the ground, right. so it wouldn't rot the boards. Well, that would literally fill up with rats. They would dig in and get in under that. Well, there wasn't a whole lot to do with them. I mean, you could sit out there and shoot one every little bit when it come out, but that just didn't get it all. Dad had a fox terrier dog. And uh, she was everybody in the country. I mean, I've even had people talk about that not very long ago. Oh, that's That dog he had. Okay, we'd take that old 30, same old 39 Chevy. Uh-huh. We would take a, he had a flexible hose he'd put on the exhaust pipe. <laughs> Find where one of these runs was that went under the building where the nat, rats were going in and out. Stick that hose in there start that car and just let it idle and then he'd pull the choke out on it till it would get to where it wasn't running real smooth yep. and that would put more uh, poison in it of course and just let that sit there and run a little bit and directly them rats would start pouring out of there and that dog would run and just flip one and run and flip another one and she would kill oh I've seen them I think he said he killed 60 some one day out of one building oh for some gosh. guy and people wanted him to come and, and do take that care of the rats. Yeah, he went all over the country with that dog. That <laughs> <laughs> old car and that flexible hose. And, uh, do you uh, ever make any money doing it or do you just do it for fun? Well, nobody made any money. Nobody had any. Yeah, that's what anything. I was thinking. Was you, yeah. yeah but but that, uh, you've probably heard the old saying, maybe, been to a rat killing. Yeah. Well, that's what that was. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. I didn't understand the dog part of that story. I, I had heard a little bit about that story with the muffler, but I didn't realize that that's how he killed well, the rats. That'd be so. three or four run out at the same time, and she would get this one and that one and that one, and then stand around like this waiting for another one. She would just one snap. She snapped them right on their head. And she could just kill them kill that quick. One, one bite, and they was dead. And she and, uh, probably, probably best thing she best day she ever had each time you did that so yeah. she, she probably loving that. It was so. a good day for the people it was all <laughs> about heat up with rats. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well the the last story we had um, for today that I wanted to hear about is 
um, how funerals are handled and because uh, things were very different. Well, in some ways they were different, in some ways maybe they weren't. But um, tell, us, tell us a little bit about how funerals were handled. And then you, you were talking a little bit also that we had missed earlier that your granddad lived with you guys for a while. So kind of just pull that whole story together. So yeah, Well, uh, when grandma passed away, which uh, was dad's mother, uh, somebody had to take care of granddad. So uh, anyway, uh, the other families just, they just didn't really have the way they could. They had too many children and stuff like that. So uh, dad had built this new house over on the county line. Mm-hmm where we lived, but uh, granddad said uh, if he would let, if dad and mom would come and move in the old farmhouse and take care of him, it would be theirs, you know. Oh, okay. That's the way, that's, okay, that's so interesting. So that's the way we went and went and moved in there. Well, of course, And by the way, the the house, the county line road house on on Gardner Road, that's County Line Road, the, the house on the County Line on Gardner Road. Right. Um, did they sell that house or was yeah. there a family member? Sold it sold to it. Uh, my uh, next, the oldest sister, her, uh, Helen and Dick bought it. Really? Okay. Yeah. So they sold it, kept it in the family. Our, that... They both were working at RCA at that time. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, so you guys moved into the house with your dad, so go ahead. Uh-huh. Okay. Then that, uh, granddad lived with us was 96 when he passed away. Pretty sure. Had a stroke one morning in church and fell right out of his seat. And we took him to, well, it was closer down, and the roads were better, down to his daughter, which was Vivian, dad's sister, and uh, kept him there and kind of got him stabilized and then brought him on over home. And he lived about two weeks. And uh, I was there and watched you and watched him take care of him and the whole nine yards. and. The night that he passed away, Dad come and got me. I was, I don't know, in another part of the house or out in the barn or somewhere. And he said, your granddad's not going to last for a few more minutes. Said he's on the end. So I went in there and watched him breathe his last breath. And what was so odd to me, uh, when he did quit breathing and his pulse quit, Dad took a rather lengthy piece of cloth Mm-hmm. Sort of folded it to about that wide, put it under his chin, pulled his mouth shut, uh-huh. and tied it on top of his head. And he said that makes it so much easier for the undertakers to close his mouth and keep it closed Cause it, before cause, he gets stiff. So uh, he held it like that's that. funny that he thought that through. Yeah. yeah. So Dad had done it, I guess, for some other people. Yeah. But Dad done a lot of things like that that you just a lot of people would not think of and couldn't do it if they did, you know. Right. It bother. But uh, I remember that so well. And then they took him to Bloomfield, embalmed him, put him in the casket, got him all. So, so in terms of modern funerals, that's kind of modern. I mean, that you know, I don't know how many years before that would have been that they wouldn't have done embalming, yeah. but at some point you wouldn't have even done that. But but they were doing that at that oh, point. Yeah. And uh, then uh, we bought the casket for him, and they put him in the casket, brought him back home, brought him right into the living room, and uh, set the casket up over by the wall. And then they had uh, big, long floor lamps with uh, sort of dim lights on them. Uh-huh. And then they draped some curtains from those two lamps across over the back of the casket. 
and fix it up like that. And then people, everybody wanted to see me come and come to the house. And, and you opened the casket up. It was an oh, open yeah, casket. Yeah. yeah. Open casket. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then uh, when it come time for the funeral. And you guys are living in this house. Yeah. So you guys are going and sleeping in your bedrooms while this is happening out in well, the living room. So. But then when they brought somebody into the house that way, neighbors and stuff would come and sit up with them. You never left a body in a house okay. without people Someone's always awake there. around them. You know, that's okay. just a thing that they done. And uh, then when it got time, well, then into all of this, there'd be like six people, six men, just big farm boys, would go to the graveyard with shovels. Yep. And they'd dig that grave six by six and six feet deep with shovels. Throw the dirt out of it, and after he was uh, buried, let him down in there and unhook the straps and stuff. Then he'd go back up there and fill it all in back on top of the casket. So, so funerals back then, um, were you guys connected with Liberty Church at that oh, point? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I figured that's, that's where everybody was buried. And I assume you went up and you had the funeral probably at the at building Liberty, there. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and and then I don't remember where it's at, but he's but he is buried in that oh, cemetery yeah, there. Cemetery. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I should go see that. I, I'm I'm sure I've I've seen it. I just don't remember seeing it. Oliver Abrams. But uh, that, of course, by him living with us and me seeing all of that as a child, it uh, stuck with me better. And yeah, it got to be just a standard thing. And of course, so many people came and helped, and I would go and set up with other people. That, uh, had passed away. Yes. Yeah, so, so tell us a little. So 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 this thing of having bodies in the homes that you did that instead of going to a funeral home itself. Right. And so and then as you say, if someone else died, then they might like a neighbor or something. You might go stay with the body yeah, for them. Would, yeah. They'd always be three or four, and they'd take their names and they'd volunteer and say what night they'd be there. A lot of times they kept them two nights at the home right. before they buried them. So, so how old would you have been uh, when all this was going on? Okay, when Granddad died, oh, I think, I think I was like 13 years old. Okay. Something like that. And when you then went and helped in other people's homes, how old were you ever there by yourself, or did they always keep you in pairs? No, no, they never would leave anybody by themselves. They always <laughs> went in pairs. Or uh, <laughs> I had gone with uh, two other guys. I think Russell Ham was in it, and I can't remember who else. <laughs> to set up with uh, Harold uh, Edmund, that was actually a son-in-law to Dan or Daniel Abram. Okay. And when he passed away, they lived down on South Roger Street in Bloomington. Okay. So we went that night, us three young boys, to set up and did. And who were the three boys again? It was, I think it was Russell and Robert Hamm and me. Oh, my. So we all went to set up. <laughs> we was doing fine. You know, it was quiet. And there was always a ton of food there. You know, everybody in the country brought in food. And you just, the lights was kind of dim. You just stay in there. You didn't have to sit right in the room with the body, but you know, maybe the room next to it. And everything was going just fine. And it was about, we wore out and just about to go to sleep. And about three o'clock in the morning, lo and behold, there's two big old cats got in a cat fight right under the window. And that loud squalling, you would not believe it. And we, <laughs> 
all three of us just about jumped out of our skin. <laughs> Scared us to death. <laughs> that was, uh, and all of those guys will remember that when they hear me tell about it. But uh, just uh, different things like that happened. And, but these big old boys go in and dig the grave, you know, just yep. your neighbors. Everybody just neighbors done what neighbors needed to do. Yeah. And uh, it would all go through and they'd have the funeral at the church and take the body out and bury it and that was all done. Yeah, and I assume like nowadays there's a there's a concrete they call it a vault. I yeah, think. you gotta have a vault now. But back then I assume no, you just no. put the casket in the, the dirt and covered it up. Yeah. So there was a time or two that uh, digging the graves, they didn't get them marked just exactly right. And maybe they'd start digging, they might get down in there pretty far and <laughs> knock a board off of the casket next door. You yeah. Know? And if they did, you just you didn't want to stay in there with that very long. <laughs> so it stinks so bad, yeah. kill you. <laughs> but, but it was, oh, what a different world. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but well, it goes back to the old saying, you do what you've got to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, Dad, that is good stuff, and we're 28 minutes in, so we'll call it a week. So that's it. Have a good week. Okay. You too. See ya.